We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I did want to kind of get to some of these super chats we have that are about this particular topic, Ryan. So let's, let's yeah. get to some of these before we, before we decide to move on here a little bit. Uh, let's get here. Okay. So, um, it's down here from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. He goes, all jokes aside, would you see Freeman try to holler at my guy, Charlie Weiss Jr. Offensive recruiting would be off the chain. Also, I can't blame Tommy way more talent and NIL tools he can use. Actually, I, know, I think he means Charlie Weiss. Uh, oh, the senior, because this is Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Charlie, my man, um, Tommy, the, the game the game has passed Charlie Weiss by. He hasn't coached in a while. I, I did uh, see someone in the chat say Charlie Weiss Jr., so I was curious. Well, that's kind of why yeah. I assumed that he was talking about him yes. uh, because uh, because of that. But, you know, Charlie Weiss is 66 years old. Yeah, uh, He wasn't in the greatest of health when he was at Notre Dame. He hasn't coached since 2014. You're talking about almost a decade out of the game. That would not um, that would not be a good idea. Now, uh, could you know he consider looking at Charlie Weiss Jr. I, I guess, right? But I personally wouldn't do that. I mean, he's the co OC at Alabama at the Ole Miss, but again, Lane Kiffin's the offensive coordinator there, right? And the way that Tommy Charlie Jr. was treated by Notre Dame fans, I, why the heck would you want to come back to Notre Dame, <laughs> right? You know, as a child, as a child. Notre Dame fans would get on him. So pff, screw that. You know what I mean? Like hard pass on that one. And and for me, hard pass on Charlie Weiss Jr. Just because I don't think he's ready for this kind of job at this point in time. To be I, I, I have heard that he's a really sharp young yeah, coach, but I, I don't know enough about him. There's a just, lot of difference between being yeah. a really smart X's and O's guy and being a good no. coach. No doubt. And that's the difference for me. And then Charlie Weiss's last belt loop also said, woke up from a nap to this news. Last time I took a nap and woke up, we lost Keon. Something about napping and waking up to bed. Well, stop napping, dude. Yeah, I was going to say, Charlie, stop napping. <laughs> yeah, for real, man. <laughs> just chill, stay awake, and just go to bed early, man. You're killing the program right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Seriously. Obviously, since some people. Uh, oh, I'm not kidding. I'm not sure. kidding at all, Charlie. <laughs> sure. Ryan, Ryan's kidding. Ryan's kidding. <laughs> I am kidding, yes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Patrick Tolson says, I don't know if you remember, but months ago I asked if Notre Dame would consider bringing David Shaw in. Hmm. I mean... David Shaw has made it very clear he doesn't really like recruiting. So, yes. I mean, is David Shaw an offensive genius? Yeah, he is. Can David Shaw coach quarterbacks as well as anybody in college football? Yeah, he can. But I'd have to know that he can recruit. But exactly. would I would I give David Shaw a call? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I think you'd be foolish not to, Ryan. I mean, that's my thoughts is, you know, I mean, again, we're – I've always said we're not going to address coaches going elsewhere until coaches. But look, I mean, Tom Reese is in Tuscaloosa. We can entertain the questions now if people provide super chats for them. It'd be silly to say, no, we're not going to talk about it. What I'm saying right. is we're not going to formally talk about it because we need to do our homework first. Instead of just randomly throwing out names, we're going to do our homework and look at some guys that we think would be you know, viable options and guys could help move the needle as a program. It's not that we don't want to discuss it. It's just this all kind of happened less than an hour before the show started. And I just want to start throwing out random names of guys that, you know, that, that, Hey, what about this guy? What about that guy? We'll do our homework and we'll, we'll discuss it because like I said, it'll all happen pretty quickly. But if you have a question about a specific coach, we'll entertain it right now in this yeah. show. Uh, would I call David Shaw if I was Marcus Freeman? Heck to the yes. But I would just need to know I need to know that you're going to, you're going to, what your role is going to be in recruiting. I, I need you to be involved yeah. in recruiting. I don't think he has to grind the way that Tommy Reese does, to be honest with you, because he has a little bit more of a track record than, than Coach Reese does. And, and I think the other thing too would be he does have a staff that Tommy only had a really good recruiting staff for a year. And right. so he kind of had to be that grinder. I think David Shaw would 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 have a, a much better staff around him, Ryan. That's that's a key point, and something I was actually going to say is that I mean, you have Dela McCullough, you have Harry Heastand, you have Chancey Stuckey, you have Jared Parker. Like you have some grinders on that side of the football, right? So it's not the end all be all, but I mean, at the end of the day, David Shaw has been a good recruiter when he you know wants to be, but it's mm-hmm. it's just got kind of to the point where like he's just kind of done. I mean. David Bashaw might honestly just be better off going to get an OC job in the NFL if he can. Like that might be a better option for him at this point because he is a smart guy. He has gotten a lot out of 
some eh, talent over the last few years too. I mm-hmm. mean, honestly, and when he's had talent, they've been very good, obviously. Right. So I like him as a coach. It's just, I don't know if he wants the college grind anymore. And right. I mean, right. he knows the difficulties of recruiting at a high academic institution, right? And all that type of stuff right. too. So I think he would fit in. It's just, I, I don't know about the recruiting side of things. I really don't. Exactly. I mean, that's the big, that's the big, that's the big question mark, you know? Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll have to see how that one plays out. Let's get to some more here, Ryan. We got Kevin Tracy with a super chat. Thank you, Kevin. If Tommy does leave, not that he will, but if he does, Marcus Freeman should consider Brian Van Gorder's OC. He might be a better OC than DC. Well, he can't be worse as a DC. I mean, he just, he can't be worse. I, I wonder DC. whose playbook he would steal. That true, true, <laughs> very true. We have a super chat here from Blood of Zeus. If Tommy's smart, he stays. The offense drops 40 points a game this year, and he takes the job of his choice next year. Working for Saban is brutal. Well, look, no coach goes into that not knowing how Nick Saban is as a coach. Sure. But it's worth it because, again, Ole Miss. Now, keep in mind, Lane Kiffin didn't leave Alabama for the Ole Miss job. He left for Florida Atlantic and then left for Ole Miss. So I, I want to be clear about that, but you got you your last two OCs have done what? I mean, th- what three of your last four OCs have been? Well, no, because it was. So hold on a second. So it was Kif- Kiffin was it was Kiffin, then Dabble, Dable. How does he say that? Is it Dable? Dable. Or Dable? Dable. It was mm-hmm. it was Kiffin, then Dable, then Sarkeesian, then Loxley, then O'Brien. Correct? Or was it Loxley then Sarkeesian? It was Loxley then Sarkeesian, right? So it's New York Giants head coach, University of Maryland head coach, University of Texas head coach, and New England Patriots offensive coordinator are the the last four guys, right? Now, again, Dable did not go from the Alabama to the Giants. He went to what, the Bills? The Bills, Bills OC, yep. And then the Giants. So just, just to make sure. But the point is it got them on that track to be that guy. And so I think that's something to consider as well. But yeah, I mean, look, working for Saban is brutal from everything I've ever heard, but a lot of coaches view it as worth it because of where it's going to be, yep. you know? So I, you know, I think that's where they're at. Sure. With your chess says, why the assumption that Alabama is automatically closer to the promised land again, than Notre Dame is now they've fallen back to the, uh, to the pack a bit in recent years. I mean, a back to the pack is what? 11 and two with your losses by combined four points on the road to two teams that spent most of the year in the top 10. And you won the Cotton Bowl over a, or was it the Sugar Bowl over a top 15 team by like 30 something? Dominated them. Yeah. And, and so I, I don't necessarily disagree with the premise with you, Chess, but as far as Alabama's falling back to the pack, but Notre Dame's went nine and four and lost to Marshall and Stanford. Now, I think that they're going to be a much better team in 2023. I think Notre Dame has a chance to make a run at a championship in 2023. But Alabama is without question a team that will make a run at a championship again this year. They're not as dominant as they were. They're still one of the three or four best programs on a consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not disputable. Notre Dame is not there yet. So uh, I, I don't think we should assume that they're automatically closer. I think this Notre Dame team in 2023 has a chance to make a run, and we've been saying that. But Notre Dame's got to go show something they haven't shown before. Alabama just has to make a couple little small minor tweaks. And keep in mind, what I have said is that Alabama was also kind of with their hand tied behind a little bit, their back a little bit this year because I thought they had two not very good coordinators. 
I mean, so that that's that's something to consider too. Now, yeah. I don't know who Saban's defensive coordinator is going to be. I've heard rumors he's trying to get the Schumann guy from Georgia and some other guys like that, but I don't know who that's going to be. I just know that it, it, the guy can't possibly be worse than Golding. It is kind of funny that outside of Kirby, though, Nick Saban does not have a very good track record of hiring defensive coordinators, in my opinion. He doesn't. He doesn't. And no. and he's he's his offensive coordinator track record has actually been better, in my opinion. The guy hired Tosh Lapu Lapo or however you pronounce his last name at one point in time. Like who thought that guy was a coordinator? That guy's a recruiter only. I, I guess so. I guess maybe it's that you know that Nick Saban being a defensive guy is going to have more hands-on on defense and yeah, offense. Maybe he doesn't have as much. I don't know. Yeah. It is kind yeah. of weird how that's trending. And, I, and somebody said, Jeremy, I don't think Jeremy Pruitt was that good. I think those teams were loaded. I, I never thought Jeremy Pruitt was a great defensive coordinator. This is my two cents. I mean, he wasn't bad, but I don't think he was great by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, he was good. He was good. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't great. And he was a, mm-hmm, yeah. Got some more here. We got from, uh, Robert McReynolds, is there something to be concerned about in that Reese was only an option for Saban after the U Washington OC turned him down? What's to be concerned about? Well, I think I, I think they're saying that he wasn't the first option. I get that. I understand. Right. I think that. that's what they're saying. Yeah. But I don't think what's to be concerned about though. What's the concern? That's what I understand. Like why is that? A I, I guess I guess maybe he's saying that maybe that goes into the the back of Tommy Reese's mind for the decision-making process that like, Tommy I wasn't Reese? his sure. for Tommy Reese, sure. that I wasn't well, the first. We don't know that Grubb or Levy have turned Alabama down, do we? It's just that they didn't – that he he just said he's staying in Washington. I don't know that there's been a report that he was actually offered the job. I'm not I, saying I, he hasn't. I'm saying right. I don't think it's been reported that he's been offered – he was officially offered I, the job. I know I, Levy I, wasn't offered the job. Yeah, I, I know. I don't think one. I don't think Levy even ever really seriously pursued yeah. it. I think there was some interest from Grubb, but I could be wrong about that. But, yeah. No, they had interest. I'm not saying they didn't yeah. have interest. I'm saying I don't know one way or the other. I haven't seen it reported, Ryan. You can maybe look it up while we're mm-hmm. kind of going through questions. I don't know for a fact, and I'm only simply saying this from the standpoint I'm not arguing whether or not he was or was not. It's I don't want to report something that I don't know to be true. So I don't know if he was officially offered the job or not, or if he just said, hey, they talked and the offer never came and he said he's going to stay at Washington. I don't know the answer to that. He may very well have. Uh, I just want to make sure that we're going to report something that we're reporting something accurate. But honestly, I don't. if, if I'm the second choice, because I don't, I don't, at worst, Tommy's the third choice at worst. I don't. Somebody said fourth choice. He wasn't the fourth choice. I don't. Again, I don't think Lebby was offered the job. I don't think Lebby was pursued. I think there was just a. Because here's what happens: a coach reaches out to you. Hey, we'd like to talk to you about this job. And then, if you're someone who likes to talk to the media, you talk tell the media, "Hey, this is what's going on." And then you use that to try to get a pr- promotion at your current school. That doesn't mean that you were offered the job or even pursued for the job, other than just an initial conversation. Right, because every coach is going to have when you're looking to hire coordinators, you're going to have an initial list of guys that you reach out to, right? And so, uh, let's just say the interest that that we've seen Nick Saban express and Tommy Reese seems to be, from an outside standpoint, a lot stronger than the interest he expressed in, in Jeff Levy. It's very similar to the interest he ex- expressed in Grub. So, uh, there's those are two different things. So, I would say maybe second at worst, third choice. But again you have to look at it from your standpoint of, am I confident enough to not care? Right. You know, now here's something that Tom Reese is going to have to consider. The perception is going to be that you weren't the top choice. And if you don't come out right away and light it up on offense, then there's going to be a lot of criticism 
thrown at you. That's something he has to consider. And now that could be where, you know, with Robert's question, you know, that would be an angle that I would entertain, Ryan, is the expectations at Alabama is already through the roof, right? But if you're perceived to have not been the choice, and let's be real, Alabama fans don't respect Notre Dame. They're not going to look at hiring a Notre Dame coach, and all they're going to do is look at stats. There's not going to be a lot of excitement on the Alabama side for this, which again means he's going to have to light the world on fire coming out of that. Now, you've got Middle Tennessee in the opener, then you've got Texas at home at USF, home against Ole Miss. You know, so you're going to be challenged early and you're going to have some chances to prove yourself early. But if he doesn't come out and the offense is rolling, like people are not going to accept if they don't want you for the job. They're not going to buy the whole, well, we have a first-time quarterback. We're replacing a Heisman Trophy winner, blah, 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 blah. They're not going to buy that, Tom, Ryan. They're not. They're going to say, well, yeah. screw it. You know, you're, you're not getting the job done at a place like Bama. I mean, keep in mind, this is the place that when Nick Saban didn't win a title in 13 and 14, Alabama fans, I, I've seen I've seen these posts. You know, maybe maybe he, he's the game's passed him by. You know, it happened again after 17 because remember he went that long stretch of 18 and 19 and not winning a title, you know, before 20. And he had the audacity to not make the playoff in 19. The game had clearly <laughs> passed him by. Yes. You know, that's kind of, I mean, so so that's the level of expectation you're walking into. There's no, hey, we got to break in a new quarterback. Well, the last freshman quarterback we broke, redshirt freshman quarterback broke in, led us to the title game and won a Heisman. That, that, that's the standard that they have. It's insane. Yes. And so do you really want to be the guy that wasn't even the first choice in that situation? I mean, that's a fair question, Ryan. So if you're, it if is. Robert, if that's where you're kind of coming from, yeah, I, I get that one. I get that one for sure. No doubt it's about pressure, that. Pr- pressure pack situation. There's no doubt Big about time. it. Big no time. Doubt. We got a super chat from Jay Clampin Investments. He says, hey, fellas, how could – he could be the guy to take Notre Dame to New Heights offensively or just be the next guy in Alabama. Gut feeling, what does he do? I mean, Jay Clampin, I, I think – by the way, I love this guy's handle. Like, you know what he's talking about, right? The Beverly yes. Hillbillies. Yes. Um, I mean, I think that's, that's a fair way to look at it, right? And, and I've made this argument with, like, Keon Keeley. Do you want to go to Bama and be the next so-and-so, like in line at so-and-so, or do you want to come to Notre Dame and be something special? Well, Keon decided to be the next so-and-so, right? Will Tommy Reese make a similar decision? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that, but um, we'll find out soon enough. What's my gut? (sighs) Honestly, I I don't even really know, because I don't know if I can differentiate what I think is going to happen from what I want to happen. Right. You know what I mean? So like my gut would be more honestly what I want to happen and what I want to happen is I, I, I know this is not a popular opinion with some, but I want Tom Reese to come back. Cause I want more than anything. It's not a confidence of knowing he's going to have an elite offense in 2023. I just want to know because we, we can make excuses for the last three offenses, right? You had the COVID year, you had a ton of uh, receiver injuries in 2020, you know, 2021, you had bad O-line coaching of an O-line coach that I don't think he wanted, nor did Chip Long want, only Brian Kelly wanted. You had a crap receivers coach. You know, you had you had all these issues in 2021, and then you finished the year pretty good. 2022 comes out. You know, the quarterback you've been grooming goes down in week two. You've got your top receiver goes down in fall camp. You know, you've got another receiver that goes down. Your, your best offense, returning offensive lineman's banged up all year. I mean, there's a lot of excuses that we can make. Some of them are valid. Some of them are not, 
right? I'm just kind of throwing out the potential excuses people could use and, and, and say, but, but also the talent has really risen the last few years, in my opinion, thanks to partly transfers because you got Sam Hartman coming in, the return of some big time coaches that are now maximizing that talent, the arrival of some coaches that are, are, are top notch in the profession, like Adil McCullough. And you say, I just want to see, I just want to know if he can or can't like I all the time Notre Dame is invested in Tom Reese. I don't want the fruits of that labor to be manifested in Tuscaloosa. If he is that good. Right. I want it to be in South Bend. And, and I want to see, cause we're going to know one way or the other, if Tom Reese is legit big time in 2023, because there's no excuses <laughs> that you can possibly use in 2023, Ryan. None. No, no, no. I mean, you it, have, one of the best offensive lines coming back if you stay at Notre Dame. You have a proven commodity quarterback. You have an improved wide receiver group. You have a loaded running back staple. Like, yeah, and you have good coaches around you offensively too, right? Like, so there's no excuses. And then if you go to Alabama, if you want an excuse, that's not the place that you want to go to, right. man. Like, that's not the place. So I agree 100%. There's yeah. no excuses in 2023, yeah. no matter what he decides. Yeah, that um... – yeah, I mean, look, and I'm not saying I buy all the excuses. I'm just saying there are excuses that you could make. There aren't any now. There are no excuses now. And I just want to see what he can do with that. And I'm hoping, so again, this is where I say it's not my gut. It's more of a wish. My hope is that that ultimately is what Tom Reese decides. I want to see what I can do with the unit I built, not the unit somebody else built. I want to see what I can do with the unit I built. Sure. Right. As the OC. You know, recruiting the co- the players we have, recruiting the coaches that they have, right? Because obviously Marcus Freeman's responsible for making the hires, but he allowed Tommy Reese to have a lot of say in 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 who was on the staff. You've got a staff that you're excited about. You've got a roster that you've built. You've got a quarterback that you handpicked in the in the tra- in the open transfer market, right? You've got young talent coming in. Let's see what you can do, right? And and and. Re- re- Kind of see what this is what I built, and I want to see what I can do with what I built, not what somebody else built. Yep. So that's just that's, but see again, I, Jay Clampett, that's not my gut. That's more of what I want to happen. I, right I, I wish I could answer the question. I don't really have a gut feeling one way or the other right now. I really don't. I mean, it, it, it honestly, and this is full transparency. If you told me that Tommy Reese left for the Alabama job, I would be like, okay, like I get it. But if you told me that he stayed, I would also kind of have the same reaction. Like, I literally do not have a gut feeling on this one right now. I think this one could – I think it could legitimately go both ways. I really do at this yeah. point. Let's get to some more Super Chats here. We have one from Tony Stengel. He says, if Reese leaves – thank you for the Super Chat, Reese. If Reese leaves, what does this mean for C.J. Carr? I don't think it means anything for C.J. Carr right now. No. I think C.J. Carr would sit back and see who they replace him with. And – let it play out because CJ's invested in Notre Dame beyond just Tommy Reese. Now, yeah. Tommy Reese played a big role in getting him here, but as is always the case, once a kid gets here, he falls in love with other aspects about it. He's gotten to know Marcus Freeman a lot more. So yes, Tommy Reese deserves all the credit for landing CJ Carr, but it's not a situation where CJ Carr's only coming to Notre Dame because of Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese sold a lot more than just him in that recruitment. It's about Notre Dame. It's about all the opportunities and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's not that this is the end-all, be-all, but also C.J. Carr's been in a class for a while, right? So he's developed right. relationships with guys like Cam Williams and Peter Jones and Jack Larson and those types of guys too, right? So does it – I mean, does it mean that it doesn't have an effect? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying an immediate effect, to your point, right, Brian? It's like 
let's calm down here for a second. You know, like, let's be a little level-headed. Let's see who the next OC is. Let's see what my relationship right. is with them before you jump to just a decision, True. right? Like, jump right. out of nowhere, so. Right. So I, I, I want to get back to that last one, too, Ryan. It's just because I want to yeah. make it clear. I'm not saying Tom Reese is leaving for Alabama. I'm not saying Tom Reese is staying. I genuinely don't know what he's going to do. Right. I'm so that's why I want to avoid the guts. I want to avoid the predictions because this all just hit us like 45 minutes before the show started, you know? So like a day ago, I'm, I'm hearing everything's all good. It's, you know, he's going to, you know, everything's fine. Let's keep moving forward. And then all of a sudden this hits. So I don't think I've had enough time to really get a gut. Cause as soon as it happens, Ryan, I had just gotten out of showers, getting dressed for the show. And so what do I got to do for, I got to hit the phone. I got to get Intel. I got to talk to people. So I've really had a chance to kind of figure out what my gut is. I, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I'm just telling you, here's where we are, and here's the cases of staying or going, and here's how I would look at it if I were him. So no doubt, no doubt. We, Blake we can only, Go ahead. I was Ryan. just gonna say we can we can only speculate on stuff we know, right? Like we right. don't we're not in the mind of Tommy Breeze. We can only report what we know. Right, right. All right, let's get to this next one. Blake Kajar says, What about Joe Brady? Thank you for the super chat, Blake. This is I, an interesting one, Ryan. This yeah. is a very interesting one. What do, what do you well, let me just I'm gonna kick this to you first and hear what you have to say about it. I, I think Joe Brady is an, a really smart offensive coordinator. I think that when you saw what he did at LSU as the passing game coordinator, whatever his title was, and the immediate return he got from there. And I will say this, Brian, from the Carolina Panthers stuff, I, I think that Joe Brady was a little bit of a scapegoat under Matt Rule, to be yeah. honest. Like, I don't think that that one was completely deserved, if I'm being completely transparent. I, I mean. I would give him a call 100%. I think he's mm-hmm. a really smart guy who doesn't have a job right now. He's shown that he well, can do some Did stuff. he get fired by the Bills? Was he is he with the Bills? Is that He was their he was quarterback's going? coach this year, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, I didn't yeah, even so know that. So when Ken Dorsey went to OC, they hired him to be the quarterback's coach. So gotcha. yeah, he was with he was with the Bills this year. So yeah. But gotcha. um so he we know he at least can live in the cold a little bit, right? I mean, if he's in <laughs> Buffalo, you know, and he's a Miami guy, but yeah. So uh, Ryan, I mean, that's an interesting one because there's a lot of upside to that. We saw what he did in LSU and say, well, he won't have Joe Brady. Yeah, but they those numbers they had were insane. Yes. I mean, in the, in the schemes they ran, ran were, yes, they had great talent, but you've got to be able to look at it and say, okay, so like, here's an example. Ryan, you you know, I've had this opinion for a long time. Clemson's offense put up points when it did back in the day because they had great players have never been very high on the scheme that Clemson runs. It's a pretty generic scheme. It's not overly complex. It's just my dudes are better than your dudes. And we play in the ACC and yeah. I've, you know, I've had two generational quarterbacks in a four year span, right? When you look at LSU, you say, yeah, they had elite talent. I mean, they had one of the greatest single seasons a quarterback has ever had, if not the greatest, right? I mean, I, I'd argue it was the greatest. I mean, those that just saw insane stuff that year. You had just an outstanding receiving core. It's it's kind of funny when like pro football focus put that thing out and it had like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And it's like, is this the greatest receiving core ever? And I'm like, bro, this might not even be the greatest receiving core in the last five years. I mean, because LSU's 2019 and Alabama's 17, 18, and 19 receiving cores all might have a, a word to have about this one, right? Yeah. Not yeah. even the same talk about the Miami receiving core that had Reggie Wayne, um, Santana Moss, and Andre Johnson. Okay, yeah. so let's pump the brakes on the hyperbole I, about Ohio State's receiving core. I mean, you, you could know? legitimately argue right now that Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the NFL and Jamar Chase is top 
three right now. Right. Like that, you can make that argument. Well, and, and, right? and in college, you had those two. Plus, you had Terrace Marshall, who's a good player, as, yeah. right? Who was a, a very good player in, in in college as well. So, yeah, but but they didn't they didn't. This is this is the point I've made in, in arguments before. But they had all those players the year before, Ryan, and they scored thirty two points a game. And Joe Burrow had. 2,894 passing yards, 16 touchdowns, and five picks. So Joe Burrow, in his first year as a starter at LSU, I believe he was a senior at the time, correct? Yes. Because he was a fifth-year senior in in, in 2019. But Joe Burrow, in his first year as a starter at LSU, had a lower completion percentage than Drew Pine by seven points, had less yards per attempt than Drew Pine, and despite Drew Pine throwing 125 fewer passes, Drew Pine had six more touchdowns than than Joe Brady. And Drew Pine had 155.27 quarterback rating this year. That this year, and Joe Burrow in his first year as a starter at LSU had 133.21 passer rating. Right. Okay. And Joe Burrow averaged 222.6 yards per game. Drew Drew Pine was like 183.7. But you also have to count the end of the fact that he had uh, 20 yards passing in a game that he didn't start. So if you take that out and you say you, you look at the um the numbers then he started what one four five six seven eight nine ten he was a two hundred point one passing yards per game not that much different so Drew Pine put comparable numbers up to Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow's first year as a starter. And who was Joe Burrow's receiving core in 2019 Ryan? Same right? guys yeah. same dudes yeah same dudes it was just Justin Jefferson, Stephen Chase, Jamar Chase, or Stephen Sullivan, Jamar Chase. You had Foster Moreau at tight end. Who's at Terrence Marshall? Yep. Yeah. Clyde Edwards Alaire. I mean, again, same dudes. Same and and dudes. can I just say, can I just say this, Brian? Because people talk about Chase and, and Jefferson a lot and Marshall, which you know that's incredible, right? Like, I'm not going to hear sit here and say like, oh, there's no talent to work with. He also got though in that one year a lot out of. Um, Moss's son, right? The tight yep. end, Thad Moss, who was a yep. I mean, he forty-seven I didn't think he catches got, for five hundred and seventy yards. He didn't yeah. get drafted in the NFL; like he couldn't even stick. Right? Clyde right. Edwards-Helaire, like I know we're talking about passing game coordinator, but like offensively, they got a lot out of Clyde Edwards-Helaire that year, who has been relegated to a backup after being a first-round pick. So it's not like you got a lot out of some other players that maybe weren't the most talented in the world, too. And the right. offensive line wasn't great that year. I mean, it wasn't a great. It was okay. It was okay. But it, it was exactly, and that's the argument. You that's a discussion you and I had yesterday when we were talking yeah. about teams that have won recently that didn't have great offensive lines. I mean, I mean, the best offensive lineman on that team was probably Lloyd Cushenberry, right? He was like, yeah, a backup-ish yeah. player. The, the NFL left tackle they had had a lot of talent. He just couldn't put it together. Charles Sadiq Charles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was but, he was a know, really Austin, nice athlete. But oh yeah, yeah. Austin yeah. Deculus was an okay. He was okay. Good, good college court. You know, well, let's tackle. No it doubt. was a lot like the Clemson line, right? Just a, they yeah. just they played well together. They were a better unit than they were as individual players. Well, Notre Dame has a chance to be both, right? A very good unit with elite talent. So, you know, I just I can't say that I know enough about Joe Brady. Like I'm always hesitant when a guy's had like that one great year. Sure. I can't speak to what he did with the Panthers, Ryan, because I don't watch the NFL. You'd you'd have a lot better say in that than I than I do. You know, but I, I think the thing too with Joe Brady is I would hope that maybe with a little humility from not having success, he's going to walk. If if he were to let's just say hypothetically he did take the job, 
he's walking into a situation where he'd have a really good supporting cast around him. And I think that's something that people don't talk enough about. That LSU offensive coaches have had some really good veteran coaches. You know, and and um, I think they kind of played off each other well. And he would have that at Notre Dame as well. So he wouldn't have to do it all by himself, in my opinion. So, um, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see kind of how it plays out. But, I mean, I think he'd be foolish not to at least talk to him. Here's my big – here's my – Here's my really only big concern is one of the reasons Joe Brady left LSU is he made it very clear he didn't like to recruit. And that Which would have weird to change. He was such a young guy, right? Yeah. It's a little weird. Well, yeah. it, I think it's because he always viewed himself as an NFL guy. That's I think fair. that's really what it boils down to is he viewed himself as an NFL guy. Why are so, and, I've, I've, seen, I've seen so many people in the chat start talking about Matt Canada. Can we? Please, man. I, I hope that's just a joke, honestly, because Matt Canada is awful. Yeah, we're awful. we're not even gonna we're not even gonna. <laughs> yeah, talk about so failing true. up. He was an awful offensive coordinator for the LSU, and now he's the offensive coordinator for Pittsburgh Steelers. Somehow, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, wasn't he the guy that Joe Brady replaced? Yes, he was okay. awful, man. The year before, they were just they were running so much motion just to be cute, and it was just like, man, the guy that awful. couldn't get anything out of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin yes. Jefferson. And <laughs> Clyde Edwards Alaire, yeah, yes. is gonna, yeah, please give me a break. You want to know why? I, I, every show we ever talk about the NFL, I'm always given a new reason why I don't watch NFL. You know, that cat is awful, man. He's so bad. He's awful. Potatoes O'Brien. Oh, didn't he also get replaced at Pitt by uh, uh, Mark Wh- Whipple? I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, it might, I, may I, have been. Yeah, I, I'm going to look that up because I, I thought that, that I'm correct on that, but I, I could be I could be misguided on that. But, yeah, he's not a guy. No, he was with the Steelers. No, he was with Pittsburgh in 2016. So, yes. So, and then 2017, that's when they hired um, Whipple, correct? Mark Whipple? Whipple? No, they hired right. Sean Watson in 2017. I don't and know who Sean Watson in 2000. Is. Yeah, he, he he's an older guy. He was a West Coast guy back in the day. He was at Colorado in the past. Uh, but then they, they hired Whipple in 2019. So, yes, Canada Canada was there in 2016 for a team that went 8-5 and five, uh, that year, lost to Northwestern in a bowl game, got blown out by Miami, lost to North Carolina, Oklahoma State. So they put up some decent numbers that year, uh, yep. North Carolina did. So, or I mean, uh, Pitt did, but he's still awful. Yes. All right, let's get to some more questions here. I, I like the Joe Brady one. That's that's it's, look, it's entertaining, and now's the time to entertain it, right? I mean, but would Joe Brady have any interest in coming back to college? I have no idea. No idea. I mean, either. he he hasn't in the past. He hasn't really expressed much of a desire to be a college coach. So yeah. I don't know. And and I'm not a fan of having two coordinators that don't enjoy recruiting. So yes, I would not yes. enjoy that. Yes. Potatoes O'Brien says uh, Kellen Moore think I uh, think would be a nice fit. A uh, couple things on that. Number one is he just got hired by the San Diego by the Los Angeles Chargers. Number one. Yeah. Uh, number two, I, I I can't really speak to what he's done in the pros, Ryan. That would be more up your alley. But I am pretty sure that Kellen Moore has no college background uh, as a coach. So um, yeah. He has been an NFL coach since he stopped playing, and. Uh, you th- that I just I'm not a big fan of that. I know it's it's worked before, but I'm just not a huge fan of those guys that have only ever been in the NFL. Now again, Joe Brady was a an NFL guy, right? I mean, I, I believe he was with the Saints. I don't know that he coached in college uh, very much. So he was at Penn State as a GA in 15 and 16. So nice. 
you know, nice. but then he was with the assistant with the Saints for two years before he came to LSU for that one season. So I just I, I'm always skeptical. I'm not saying I would turn down an off an, an NFL guy just because I just would be very nervous about about that, to be honest with you. And- and Kellen, Kellen Moore is not leaving the Los Angeles Chargers OC to come be the offensive coordinator. No, then he just get hired so. like like the day after he yes. left it. He got fired by the Cowboys, right? <laughs> yes, and he got that yes. job. Yeah. So yeah, I know. He, I actually, I actually kind of do like Kellen Moore a little bit. I think he got a bad rap because Mike McCarthy's pretty bad as a coach. But yeah. you know, that's another conversation. Yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't have an opinion. I just loved him as a quarterback. That's all I can tell you. I mean, I great. I, you want to talk about a guy getting the most out of his ability? Yeah. That is Kellen <laughs> Moore. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> All right. Zach Martin says, will Tommy ever get to go to Ireland? That's very well played. Because <laughs> obviously he got suspended for the game yeah. in 2012. The 2020 yes. COVID year. That's really funny. Very maybe, well played, uh, Zach. Maybe, maybe well, that's I mean, what's going on. He doesn't want to go to Ireland. Maybe, maybe he does so. it. Maybe, or if he wants to, he'd get that pay raise and then go yeah. himself if he wanted to. Yeah. I guess. There yeah. you go. Yeah. There you go. I can afford to take myself and my girlfriend to Ireland with the pay raise I'm getting in Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very well done, Zach. Very well that done. Funny. That's <laughs> very well done. Thank you for the super chat. I, too, I, I, for, I forgot about the 2012 thing. That's really yeah. funny. That's yeah. really funny. Um, Charlie Weiss's last belt loop says one last thing. Honestly, if Tommy leaves, this might put a fire in Freeman and put him on another level that we haven't experienced so far. Watch out. I just would be curious, uh, Charlie, kind of what you mean by that and, and kind of, um, what, what, like, what do you mean? Put a fire in him to do what? And again, I'm not arguing with you at all. I just, I'm just curious. I'd love to see you. You don't have your follow-up Tom, uh, Charlie doesn't have to be a, uh, super, super chat. chat. Just, I just be curious to hear kind of what you mean by that, uh, about that. So, um, here, here's a question that that's for the mailbag from not Ryan's bully, uh, Tommy Guns. And so let's explain what that means. Ryan had joked in a show recently that he had a a, a bully, a guy that bullied him as a kid was named Tommy, right? And so of course, joke. Tommy says, "I was the bully. Yes. I was the bully." <laughs> just kidding. It's not nice. I know. Um. So so Tommy, of course, you know makes the joke that he's not Ryan's bully. So I just want to make sure people understand that. He says, if you're coach Freeman, do you wait for Reese to make a decision before you at least start reaching out to people or are feelers going out now already? I, I think you have to start putting feelers out now. Just in case. Yeah. I think you yeah. have to. to yeah. I mean, cause it's, I mean, you have to, it's, it's like the saying, right? Like hope for the best, prepare for the worst, right? Like you have to prepare for right. the worst or else you're going to be behind the eight ball. <laughs> like, because you're, right. in, I mean, you're a little deeper in the process. There's been some coordinator hires across college football. So like you need to start figuring out maybe just the tentative list, if nothing else, right. Of like, right. these are my targets. If this right. does happen, just in case. Because you have to move fast. Yes. If you're Marcus Freeman, but you also have to make the right hire. Absolutely. And, and so to me, um, I, I think that you have to be willing to say, Hey, look, whatever we're going to do, we got to do it quickly. Cause we've got to salvage this. Cause see the thing is right now it's a, it's a dead period in recruiting. Yes. So you, you, you don't necessarily going to miss a lot. You're not going to have those awkward weekends of recruiting where guys are on campus wanting to know who the heck your offensive coordinator is. Right. Uh, I can assure you this one is not an option. Brian Driscoll for OC not happening. Uh, if you think, if you think Charlie Weiss hasn't coached in a long time, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, he's I got him beat. Okay, that's that's funny. But uh, but I appreciate it, Sean. Love the support. You're my guy. Appreciate you. Uh, but but back to the the thing about uh, Freeman though. He's got to he's got to move quickly. Yes. Whatever they're gonna do, it's got to go real fast. 
it's got to go real fast. Just so y'all know, we're not going to dive into the defensive line stuff today. We're going to do that next week because we're now over an hour into the show. And I mean, just, I don't think anybody wants to talk about the D line right now. This is a fun conversation. Also, I am having a good time here. So we're going to keep answering these questions and then kind of dive and just kind of go to the mailbag. People in the chat are great. Someone just said we meant Jeff Driscoll. Oh, Oh, got it. Well then spell it correctly. Okay. Because Jeff Driscoll had one L after his name. That's true. Uh, So uh, there you go, Jason. So, so, so uh, Sean Rogers is my dude. Jason Smith is kind of dead to me right now a little bit. Uh, so I'm just going to say it right, say it right now. You're a little dead to me, buddy. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, let's get back here to some questions from wicked Bronco production with super chat. Thank you, sir. Uh, if I'm Reese, why would I leave for Bama? And I just turned down LSU, especially if you're a Notre Dame alum, if he leaves, go get the Western Kentucky OC or the Kansas OC. Well, I mean, uh, Ron- I, I, I would ahead, say that Al- Alabama is definitely a more attractive job than LSU, in my opinion, right? For, for what sure. it was at the time, for like the talent and every. I mean, LSU was a depleted roster when Brian Kelly first got hired. Correct. I mean, who would have known? You know, I mean, obviously they've turned it around decently quickly as would far agree. as replenishing right. talent. But I mean, I, I think that Alabama is definitely a more attractive job. Do you know anything about the Western? Kentucky offense coordinator or Kansas? I just I, I, I just know that they put up they had co offensive coordinators this year. the The thing gotcha. is they they put up good numbers this year, but with, with all due respect, the numbers weren't anywhere close to what they were the year before with Zach. Didn't Kittley. didn't they also? I, I feel like didn't Western one of Western Kentucky's offensive coordinators just leave for Washington State? Was that them? I thought possibly. Maybe that was. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not okay. sure. But the numbers this year weren't as good as they were the year before. Yeah, uh, they put up insane numbers the year before with with sappy i mean it was it was i mean just really nuts really nuts i mean this year they were at 36.4 points per game last year they were at 44 uh last year they were at 536 yards per game offensively this year they were at 40 not 497.1 7.2 yards per play last year 6.7 this year so just i mean there's they just they weren't as good this year now they lost players um obviously but it just it wasn't as dynamic of an offense. So I, I think you'd be kind of living off of a reputation that's not necessarily built by them. Now, right. if you want to talk about, you know, maybe go out and get Zach Kitley, you know, he was a guy that was at Texas Tech. Uh, he's, yeah. the, he's the OC at Texas yeah. Tech. I thought he did a nice job with them this year, uh, did a nice job with, um, you know, with, with obviously with West Kentucky. He was the guy that they brought from – he was he was Zappy's OC at, at – um, in Houston college, Baptist. or I mean, at Houston Baptist, too, correct? Yeah, yeah and then so. came with him to Western Kentucky. I don't know enough about him to say, but I think he'd be the guy you'd want to look at if you're if you like Western Kentucky's offense the last couple of years, not the other guy. That's just my two cents. I'm not saying that's someone I would target. I don't know enough about him, Ryan, to say that. You, you've probably watched more film of the off his offenses because you watched Blake Zapp, Bailey Zappi for the NFL yeah. draft and stuff like that is what I'm referring to. Yeah, it's very uh, very air raidish. If you like very that type of thing, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yes, so. very I'm, air raidish. I mean, you'll you'll get a lot of guys in space, which is great. Right. But I, I, look, I don't know what your run game would look like with the that reality system, is but. Ryan. They averaged 102.5 rushing yards per game in 2021. Exactly. Marcus exactly. Freeman's not bringing an air raid coach who's going to do what like Mike Leach and how Mummy did. He's going to run. Yeah. You're wasting what your best resource. The two things you can recruit as well or better than anybody in college football is the offensive line and tight ends. 
and an air raid is just not going to get the most out of either one of those positions, in my yep. opinion. So if okay. now are there air raid guys I'd look at? Sure. Guys from the Lincoln Riley school of air raid that that want to run the ball and 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 still do all those things. Sure, I'll give those guys a look. But air raid is just not gonna really be to me what Marcus Freeman's gonna be overly interested in. I just because it's the same reason I thought it was a bad hire for Wisconsin. Can you really recruit the the athletes over and over and over? to maximize that offense at a Wisconsin? I don't think so. Is that really what you want to build your offense around is receiver quarterback recruiting right. to the degree that you'd need to? I just, I don't, it, I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. Has there been an air raid team that's won a championship? I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, I guess, you could, teams. I, I guess you can argue that Sark has some air raid elements to his offense, but it's not a pure air raid. Obviously, well, see, he's but. a pro style guy. He just yeah. took some elements like RPO elements to what they do. He's still yeah. very much a pro style guy. His schemes are very NFL pro style stuff like that. It's just the yeah. ISOs. He, you know, he, he, he's about, they do RPO downfield vertical RPOs as opposed to the behind the, the, the line RPOs. So he's adopted some principles, but he's to me very much a pro style guy. In my, in my view. But to yeah. your point, though, that's the closest you're going to find to that. Yeah, because, I mean, Oklahoma obviously opinion. never got it done. And no. Strength I mean, uh, Georgia's not an air raid team by any stretch of imagination. Bama's no. not. Clemson is not. Um, no. I mean, they're a spread team. Al- Auburn was not when they won with Cam Newton. Ohio State no. was not. They're a spread team. So, yeah, we haven't we haven't seen – we haven't seen a team have that kind of success, in my opinion. Jim Halloran with Super Chat. Thank you, Jim. What are your thoughts about David Cutcliffe as OC? Coach both Eli and Peyton had good offenses at Duke. He had good offenses at Duke until the last few years. Yeah. And I love David Cutcliffe, Ryan. And I made the case in 2017 when they, um, when they, when uh, Chip Long got fired, it may be something to do is to bring in a David Cutcliffe, let Tommy groom under him for a couple of years. And then Tommy searched the position. Yeah. But I just don't, I just, that's not the move. I'm he's a, he's a bridge to yeah. something else. In my opinion, I, I don't, I don't think the timelines mesh, right? Like yeah. I just don't think he's at the spot and his career would make a lot of sense. I mean, I would love to just sit down and talk to David Cutcliffe for a couple hours, but I just don't think it's the right fit where he is in his career. If I could bring him in to do for my offense what the Texas team staff is getting out of Gary Patterson on defense, like as an uh, analyst. As an analyst. As a, yeah. yeah, someone yeah. that can kind of groom my coaches and be as a be a sounding board from ideas and maybe do some advanced scouting. Absolutely. I would love to have David Cutcliffe on my staff. Love it. Yep. Love it. Love yep. it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I just don't know if we're at the point now where on field is the way to go. You know, that's just that's just a thing for me. But I, I'll tell you yeah. what, if if you know, if I'm Marcus Freeman and I had any chance uh, to get him on staff as an analyst, you know, I I would do it. I would yeah. absolutely do it. I mean, he's a tremendous and he's a great guy. I mean, it's just a great resource to have. Yep. We have a super chat here from Cham Gel. Uh, feelings on co-ocs. If Reese leaves, I could see Freeman circling back on Jamarcus Shepard, making him co-oc play caller, and Dylan McCullough as co-oc run game coordinator. I could see that. I, I think for me, um, I think in order to get Jamarcus Shepard to Notre Dame, I think you'd have to probably make him probably full OC. But as long as he's the play caller, maybe. But here's the thing: what's he going to coach? 
I was going to say, can he coach quarterbacks? Like, I mean, because you already right. had your wide receiver coach, obviously, right? Right. I mean, I really do like Jamarcus Shepard, and a he lot. was obviously he was at Washington this year, so he's got a little bit of that in the back of his mind. He right? was who I wanted to be the receivers coach. With. I, I love Chancey, what Chancey Stuckey's done, but Chancey Stuckey was a risk to me. Yeah, because he, you know, he hadn't really coached before, but for one year. But Jamarcus Shepard's the guy that I wanted. There's no doubt about it. And obviously, you know, he's learned under Jeff Brom. He learned under obviously his passion under Kalen DeBoer. My my only concern there would be is I I would definitely try to bring him in for an interview. I would just want to know what his plans are for the run game because he's been a part of two offenses now in a row that don't really run the football that much. Is that because that's what the guys that design the offense want to do? What would you want to do? Because look, I've been on offenses, Ryan, where. I coached the heck out of what the head coach or what the OC wanted, but it's not what I would have done if I was right. running the offense, right? I, so I, you can't say for sure that 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 yeah. he doesn't believe in it the way that they don't believe in it. That that's that's the thing. I, I'm just trying to formulate in my head how it would work from a position coach perspective. Right. Like maybe Jared Parker is the quarterback coach, and then he can coach tight ends because it's a little less of a daunting thing. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because Jared Parker's never coached tight ends. He played or quarterbacks. He's he's only ever coached receivers or tight ends. Oh, he he didn't coach quarterbacks. Oh no, I, I guess I'm mistaken. No, he was the receivers yeah. coach at West Virginia and Penn at Penn State and at Duke and at I Purdue. Am. You he just don't have the and tight there, ends. Then. He played receiver in college, so uh, I you know I, I don't know how that would work. Uh, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know how that would work, and that's the thing that makes this a challenge. Is you know you you got a pretty good offensive staff coming back, so. Yep if you're going to bring in an offensive coordinator, that's not a quarterback's coach, you're going to have to figure something out. Is Jamarcus just coached wide receivers? That's all he's, he's only ever coached that's... wide receivers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to pull it up again. I, I He's coached inside receivers out. Yeah. He, he played gotcha. receiver in college. He's a Fort Wayne native. So, I mean, there's a lot of, to be attracted by, but yeah, he was a receivers coach at Northrop high school receivers coach at broad ripple high school. Then he got out of coaching for a little while, got back mm-hmm. into coaching in 2011 uh, looks like he was a defensive assistant. It looks like it says here for Western Kentucky for oh. two years. It says DA. I assume that that's means defensive assistant. Um, so yeah, but uh, he then was the quality control at on offense in 13. He was a receivers coach in 14, 15, 16. Then he moved on to be the pass game coordinator receivers coach at Purdue for a year. Then he was the co OC and, and, uh, uh, wide receivers coach for four years at Purdue uh, after that. And then this past year, he's the assistant head coach, pass game coordinator and receivers coach at Washington. So, I mean, I just don't think that would make sense. Now, like if a Chancey Stuckey up and left to go back to Clemson or something like that, which there's no rumors of, I'm just making a point, then that would open that up. But I've heard nothing about Chancey Stuckey leaving, nor do I want him to leave at this point in time. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm happy with the job he's doing and, and all that. So I just don't know. Like, I feel good about it if you just take out the position coaching aspect of the conversation, but you can't do that. You, you'd have to say who's going to coach quarterbacks at that point in time. You know, Dylan McCall is not coaching quarterbacks. Chancey's, I mean, you know, honestly, the guy that would be most qualified to coach quarterbacks on the staff would be Chancey Stuckey. True. Because he played, he was a high school quarterback. And, <laughs> and he played quarterback for a year at Clemson before moving over to wide receiver. So that's funny. That's um, funny. Now, let let Harry coach quarterbacks. I know, right? That would <laughs> that would so not go well. Uh, that would so not go well. Quarter, let's just say quarterbacks don't take to screaming as much as um, you know other guys. But hey, look, Chancey Stuckey played quarterback as a freshman at Clemson, threw twenty one career passes and two touchdowns. So, I mean, but seriously, like I, 
could he do that? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, it, it's yeah, it's interesting. Dylan McCullough as the run game coordinator, OC. I mean, okay. I mean, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. That's if that's what you got to do to keep him. That's fine. If if he leaves, there's other running back coaches that that would be good for the job as well. So that, that that's it for the super chats, I, I think, Ryan. But we've got some. Actually, no. Here we go. Robert McReynolds says, "I've been a Notre Dame fan since I can remember. I currently coach offensive line at a private school in Delaware. I will be the OC. Go Irish! There you go. <laughs> All right, we've got the answer. I'm going to send that over to Coach Freeman now. Send the resume, and, uh, Robert. Let him know. Uh, let him know what's going on. So, um, yeah. So make I, sure, I make I, make sure you have a no- nice cover letter in there. Okay, I need yeah. a practice plan ready for right. an example of what you're doing. I, yeah, do it, man. Love it. Yeah." So Ryan, let's uh let's kind of go. We got some other names. Let's just kind of go and just get some questions here, and we're just going to kind of yeah. turn this into a we're just going to turn this into a mailbag, right? Now that we've kind of got through the the Tommy Reese stuff, we're just going to turn this into a full mailbag. I know that a lot of this conversation is going to be um, geared towards Tommy Reese, and that's fine. Uh, but if you guys want to ask some other questions, we can we can kind of go down that route as well. And there's a lot of names being kind of thrown out. We'll kind of address those as we as we get to them. Um, moving I th- forward I think, here, I think we did miss one super chat, Brian. If I can bring Which it up, one? it was from Ant VR. Okay, uh, thank you, thank you, Anthony. So when you get a new OC, how does it generally work with position coaches? Does the new OC have some autonomy to bring guys in? I- I'll say this: if you're if you're coming into a situation where you're um, sort of new and the staff is new, you're going to have some say, but Marcus Freeman would treat the offensive staff the same way he treated the defensive staff last year, which is one of the reasons a couple coaches didn't work out is because they wanted to bring in their own coaches. And he's like, you're not getting rid of Mike Mickens. You're not getting Chris O'Leary. These are the coaches you're, you're not getting rid of Mike Elson. Cause remember at the time that was kind of right before Mike Elson had left just yet. He hadn't quite left yet. Although it was, it was starting to happen with, as they got into it. But there was, hey, you're not replacing these guys. The only reason that Notre Dame replaced so many coaches on offense is because guys left. Lance Taylor got a promotion and John McNulty got a promotion. Otherwise, it just would have been replacing the two coaches that got fired. That was it. And so, no, you're you're probably not going to give that. I mean, you're you're you may want to like ask guys like, hey, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on this? And if a guy says, yeah, I'd like to bring my O-line coach, then you just kind of shake his hand and pat him on the back and say, best of luck to you somewhere else. You know, maybe maybe that tells you, I mean, it's a, like a trick question, Ryan, to kind of get a guy to find out if a guy's really got the chops or not. Oh, you want to not have Harry Heath stand? All right, cool, cool, cool. Peace out. Reverse but in psychology. all seriousness, yeah. no, you're, you're he's not going to bring his own guys, in my opinion, until guys leave. You're going to want to say, hey, look, you got to work with what we have because we have a pretty damn good staff. That's the second time I've said that this week. I am really sorry. You got a pretty darn good staff, uh, but uh, you know that you're yeah you're not you're not going to do that. You're going to work with the guys that he has because we've seen and we know that because Marcus Freeman did that exact same thing on defense last year. Yeah, it was no. This is who you're going to work with. You'll have autonomy to help bring in guys when there's openings, but this is the staff that we're working with. Let's go to the next one here. We got uh, from John A1. He says, if Reese also hits the road, what does that mean for Sam Hartman? And does Bama do their best to poach Tyler Buckner? Uh, I mean, maybe. I don't I don't know. I, I I just think I think sometimes, John, we we put too much on that these coaches are these players are just gonna follow the coaches all over the place. That happened what with like one coach last year? That was yeah. Caleb Williams going to Oklahoma. 
doesn't normally work that way unless a guy's leaving for a head coaching job. Could they say it? Sure. Yeah. But I mean, I, I just, I don't see it. I don't know if Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman's enrolled in classes. So could he transfer again? Yeah, he could. He's a graduate. So he, once you graduate, you can transfer whenever the heck you want. I don't, I don't think there's a rule that would keep Sam Hartman here. Now he can't transfer to Bama in the spring. That's already passed. It would be, it'd have to be something where he goes um, in the fall. But well, I, I, you know, yeah. And Brian, I would say this too. I mean, Alabama was, you know, in the transfer market a little bit, right? Like they were talking with Drake May and doing all that type of stuff, but they didn't land a transfer this offseason, right? So, I mean, are they willing to take heart? I, I don't know. I just don't know what, what their market is for the quarterback or if they like what they have in the room. I mean, we could sit here and say, like, Maybe you shouldn't be as confident, but maybe they like after not getting a Drake May, they like what they have in the room. So I think there's a lot of layers. It's also would Tyler Buckner want to go to Alabama? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know that that conversation, right? There's just a lot of moving right. parts to that question that we just don't know. I just I, I just think people sometimes assume too much when it comes to just assuming that some, somebody's going to leave just because a coach did. Right. So I just – yeah. Yep. I just uh, – Yep, we'll see. We'll see. All right, let's get down to some more here. We got uh we've got uh, let's go down here to Zach Martin. He goes, "Do you have do you think Dylan McCullough is ready for an OC job if he presented if one presented itself at Notre Dame or elsewhere?" I don't know enough about Dylan McCullough as a coach to know that. I just know he's never been a coordinator and he's 40 something, 49 years old. So up to this point in time, no one's given him that opportunity. And I think there's a stigma that comes with running back coaches. Mm-hmm. that they don't quite have the all-around chops to be a coordinator. Fair or not, I think that's the stigma. Yep. And so, you know, because you kind of live in this little universe as a running backs coach, right? I don't necessarily think that's fair, but that's the stigma. So that's partly my, – my point is that partly explains why he hasn't gotten an offense coordinator job yet. Does that mean he's got the chops or not? Honestly, Zach, I couldn't tell you. I know he's really good at being a running backs coach, but I've said this a million times. Just because you're a good position coach doesn't mean you're a good coordinator. Just because you're a good coordinator doesn't mean you'd be a good head coach. Just because you're a good head coach doesn't mean you'd be a good coordinator, right? And goes all the way around. And some guys are really good coordinators, but not great head coach or not great position coaches, right? Because they can coordinate and and scheme, but they can't really teach a position at a high level. Yep. So I I honestly couldn't tell you. I, I really couldn't tell you. So, Ryan, I don't know if you have an opinion on this or not. I mean, I don't. I mean, because we we don't have any proof, right? Like, we don't have any statistics. We don't have any. We don't have a resume to say, like, yeah, it definitely would be a good offense coordinator because he's done this, right? He's been a run game coordinator. He's been an offensive coordinator at some smaller school. Like, we just we don't have any data points on it. I, I think that he's a very good recruiter. I think he's a great running back coach. But to your point, Brian, like until we know, we don't actually know. I mean, it's like the Brian Hartline thing. I see everyone just throwing Brian Hartline in the chat, and I get it. And I mean, I would entertain it for sure, but I also don't know if Ryan Hartline's a great offense coordinator. Like, I have no idea. He's a great receiver coach, great recruiter, but like, is he a great offense coordinator? I have no idea. Right. Agree. All right. Let's get down here to some more. Jeff DeMonk says, Brian, how about the angle of Saban getting close to retirement in a couple of years? Could Reese be looking at that succession plan? Just a question. So there's two ways for me to take your question, Jeff. Uh, one is to look at it from the standpoint of 
Um, do you want to go there with the head coach is going to leave? If that's the angle to look at it, then yes, you would, because I don't think Tom Reese is going there thinking he's going to be there very long. I mean, if you're making this move, Ryan, you're going there because you're going to go there, you're going to win a bunch and then move on and get that head coaching job or NFL OC job or whatever his career aspirations are, right? I mean, that's that's why you make this move. So I don't think it would be – I don't think it would be, be that type of thing. I don't think it would be that type of thing. Now, the other way to look at it is, is he looking at it as he could be the next head coach at Alabama? I doubt Tommy Reese is that presumptuous. So – you know, I yeah, I I doubt that that would be the angle he'd look at, Ryan. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I mean, not entirely. I mean, I, I think I think that the track of getting to a higher position is definitely the big plus there, right? I mean, like that's what I I I, I guess I just don't have a huge opinion. I I don't know if Tommy's like you know behind the scenes like, oh, this is the time to do it because Saban's nearing the end. Like I I just think that it's. Nick Saban calls, Alabama calls, right? Like that's yeah. something that you explore. Like I, I don't sure. think that there's anything deeper level to that. I think it's just simply when Alabama calls, you listen. Right? Does it mean that you take the well, job? That's not yeah. necessarily it, but yeah. Here's the next one from 99 Problems, but BK one. This is in line with what you just said, Ryan. He goes, no, yeah. uh, two-part question. He goes, number one, very behind the show, but is there any chance that Tommy's taking the interview? Because one, you can't say no, and two, you can use this to advance your brand by saying no. Uh, and then three, Tommy can use this as recruiting recruiting fuel on the trail. Number two and three would be byproducts of him turning it down. Right. Uh, I don't think Tommy Reese would in any way, shape, form, or fashion do this knowing he's saying no just to use it against Nick Saban. That's not the bridge you want to burn. And in in that way, that's disrespectful, in my opinion. I would not encourage him to do that. From what I was able to gather before the show started, that's not what's happening. Number one is true. It's Nick Saban. It's Alabama. You can't say no, right? I mean, that's just that's just where they are. Will he take the job? We'll find out. Now, if he turns it down because he legitimately decides he wants to stay at Notre Dame, then two and three become true. But I don't think he's doing this to do two and three in my right. place, Ryan. I just – I don't think Tommy – say what you want about him. I I view that as disrespecting the profession, in my opinion. And I don't – I think he has a little bit more respect for the profession than that. I just don't think you do that. You don't, you don't interview for a job. You don't have a school fly their plane up from Tuscaloosa, fly you down there, meet with – the greatest coach of your generation, knowing you're just going to say no and then use that against him. I, I don't think he'd do that. Now, could you, if he would have turned him down, like if he would have said, Hey coach, I'm appreciate the interest and, but I'm going to stay at Notre Dame and, and then go that way. Then you use those things to your favor to push a program, but you've told the coach no already. And you, you use it, those two things that way you, you talk to people in the media. Hey, just so you know, I got offered this job and I've turned it down. I'm staying cause this is where I want to be. And then you use it that way, but you don't go through the whole process of going down there and doing all that, you know, to, to do that. So, and somebody yeah. says, why are we assuming Tommy Reese will even get offered the job? Trust me. He'll get offered the job. Like and he's going to get offered the job. They're not flying a guy flying down there. Down. And they're not offering. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like it's just, we're, we're past that. It's, it's not like he's taking a phone call. Like they want him to come down. Kemp yeah. wants Tommy Reese. 
The only thing left right now is to determine whether or not Tommy Reese wants Bama. That's that's where we're at. That's where we're at. So there is there is no other there is no other angle to this one. Right. There's no other angle to this one. Um. So and and there's no wife. There's no kids. There's no none of that's being taken into consideration. Like it might be for another coach. Like it was for Marcus Freeman. He was thinking about where he was going to go to be the D coordinator. Part of the reason he didn't go to LSU and chose Notre Dame was wife family didn't want to go down that far south tom reese doesn't have that same thing it's like okay i'm not gonna live as close to my dad and my mom and my you know other people in my life but he doesn't have those same things it's just gonna be does he want to take this leap or not that's what it's gonna boil down to and if he does then he'll leave if he doesn't then he'll stay and if he leaves then okay go find the next guy and that that'll be the that'll be the aspect of it Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's get to some more questions here, Ryan. He says, Brian Dembo, would you want an up-and-coming coach or someone established? It depends who they are. I mean, I I mean, what do we define as established? You know, like, I don't think there's a set number of years that I need. Like, I don't need a guy to be a 10-year offensive coordinator. I don't need him necessarily to be a five-year offensive coordinator. I need to be able to talk to him face-to-face and then have a legitimate plan and understanding of where we're going, right? Like, that's my biggest thing. So, I mean... I don't know if you agree with that or disagree with it, Brian, but I don't think that there's a number on the number of years that you have been an offensive coordinator. I just don't know if there is, right? I think that there is that legitimate conversation, and I need to have a thorough understanding of what is your plan, what do you believe in, how can you be successful here? That's what I need to know, and I need to understand the fit. I don't I don't necessarily need a guy that's been there, you know, OC for 12 years. I need a guy that I believe in personally. Clark Lee had zero proven experience he was an up-and-coming coach and Notre Dame went undefeated and he did a really good job that first year right my stance has been clear from day one Ryan if you got the chops got the chops I know guys have been coordinators for decades and they're just kind of okay and you see guys get jobs that that have never called plays before and man they turn out to be great so it it really comes down to that for me if you got the chops you got the chops that's it so so who do I want? I, I want a guy that can do the job the best. That's it. And and That's it. It, it may be, Brian, it may be an experienced guy. It, it may be some veteran who wants to come take the job. It, it may be an up-and-coming guy. I, I don't know the answer to that. I just know the guy needs to be able to coach at a high level. He needs to be able to teach at a high level. He needs to be able to scheme at a high level. 
and and he's got to be a guy that can can work with the staff at a high level. And then at the end of the day, the last part of this is he's got a guy that can call plays at a high level and, and recruit. Don't forget recruit. That's a given. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's a given. <laughs> or at least, and again, he doesn't have to be a great recruiter. He has to be willing to recruit. Yes, there's a difference yes. because part of being a sometimes a great recruiter from a like Harry Heastan is not a great recruiter. He gets great recruiting results. What I mean by that is he does he's not a great recruiter from the standpoint of the grind that so many other great recruiters do where they're just on the phone all the time they're doing this and they're doing that and they're doing all these type of wild things. That's not Harry Heastan. Harry Heastan just says, "I want that guy. I'm going to use my track record to say I'm going to go get that guy." And it, it just that's how it goes. The results are there. If let's use David Shaw as an example. If David Shaw came and said, "Look, as the OC, I don't have to recruit like I did as head coach. And we had so many issues at Stanford and it just got to the point where it's like, what are we even doing here? We can't get 90% of these kids anyway. Like all those things that people said about Notre Dame, about academics have been true at Stanford the last four or five years, flat, flat out. But here's what I'll do. I don't want to be on the road all the time, but I will, I will be on the phones. I will sell the heck out of my vision when these kids are on campus. When we go on the road, I'll be on the road like everybody else, but I'm just not going to be that grinder. I'm going to be the closer. All right, fine. But the product you put on the field better darn well sell that. And and that's my point. Same with Joe Brady. If Joe Brady wanted that, like, hey, I'm just going to be a closer. But, okay, then you better put a great product on the field. Tommy Reese has been able to grind and work hard as a recruiter, which has helped overcome the fact that the results on the field haven't always been great. You got to have one of those two things, Ryan. Now, you can't be allergic to recruiting. But you don't necessarily have to be Chip Long or Tommy Reese to be an effective recruiter if the results are good enough. And that's kind of that's kind of the, the way I look at it. You know what I mean? So uh it's it's getting the job done. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get to some more here. We've got one from uh John A1 on the defensive line. Mills and Patejo have to step up and play to star level with star production 23 class to production for 23 to be a success. I, I don't think they have to play like stars. I think that'd be pretty good. You give me four really good players, but none are stars on the D line. You're, I'm going to have a pretty darn good D line. I'd rather have two stars and two guys that are pretty darn good. That's ideal. Sure. But I don't think that's like, I don't think it's a must that, that, that two guys play like stars. I think they have to have really good production as a unit. And, and John, sometimes you can have two stars and not, and not a very good defensive line. If everybody else isn't producing, the produ- I, I, the production has to be elite. I don't think yes. it, an individual player has to be elite, in my view. Well, I, I think that one thing I agree 100% with John is that both those players need to step up tremendously, right? Like you need the best versions or near the best versions of those players. Like they don't need to be stars. I agree with you, Brian, but they need to be more productive and obviously more dependable and consistent than they were in this past year for, you know, mid different reasons for each player. Right. But I think that those two guys have a ton of potential and we've talked, we talked a lot about Riley Mills the other day. He's got a lot of talent and there's still a lot that he can, there's still a much higher ceiling that he could hit. in I think both of our opinions and Jordan Patello brings some talent to the field that you need, you know, you need that versatility. He has, you need the twitchiness he has as a pass rusher. And if both of those step up tremendously, then the defensive line that seems like a bit of a concern for some, I think it quickly turned into a very, a very, 
very surprising unit. So I, I'm very hopeful for both players, and Notre Dame needs them in 2023. There's no doubt. Right. Like if Jordan Patel has six sacks and Josh Burnham has four and a half, and Aiden, Aiden Byron Jr., Tuamaka combined for like three, that's elite production from the position, even though one guy wasn't a star. And so there's there's a lot – would it be great if you had a Will Anderson and a Jalen Carter and two really good players alongside them? Sure. Sure, I'll take that. just don't think it's necessarily a must. That would be that would be my thing. All right, next question here from Double Down. B. Ryan, would you guys prefer an NFL guy or someone that runs more of the modern-day spread college offense? Well, Depends I think – who they are. There's, there's – I could give you an answer that it's neither. Um, I don't – I don't know that I care that Notre Dame go to a spread offense, a college spread offense like a Clemson, like an Ohio State, uh, back under Urban Meyer. I want a balanced offense. I'm a pro style guy personally. Pro style doesn't equal NFL guy. Pro style is just a way to describe more traditional sets, more traditional motions and shifts, um, play action, isolations, you know, levels, concepts. I mean, it's just more of a, it's a different type of system. Spread is more. I mean, it is what it is. You spread it out. You're a lot of 10, 11 personnel, things like that. Um, I just, I want a guy that's really good at what he does. That's the thing, Ryan. We can get into NFL guy, college spread guy, college pro style guy, college whatever. Is he good at his job or not? Can he do all the things we talk about? You guys can keep asking us. And there's nothing wrong with the quote. You can keep asking us what we want. But the reality is, I don't, I can tell you what I prefer, what I like. But I also could tell you there's a lot of different types of offenses that have been really good in college football. Give me a guy that can yes. create a really good offense and recruit the talent that will fit at what Notre Dame's trying to do, and I'm going to be happy. It doesn't have to I, be what my personal preference would be. Yeah. I mean, we all have our preferences, right? We all have our biases. I prefer to win a championship. So right. whatever that is, right. you can, it could be a spread. It right. could be an air raid. It, it could be a triple option. It, I don't care. Right? Look, Ryan, at, at what offenses have or have not been able to compete for championships. And, and yeah. I think that has to be part of the conversation. Sure. You know, you say, well, hey, I think we can run a triple option and win a championship. Uh, disagree. You know, I think we can run an air raid at Notre Dame uh, like like they did at West Kentucky and run for 102 yards a, a game. No, I don't think you can win that way. Right. So I, I do think that there are certain types you need to be mindful of. Okay. That system won't work at Notre Dame because you can't recruit that type of players to Notre Dame. I, and man. that's, that's my whole thing is you, you have to find something that fits what you have on the roster and what you can recruit to the roster. And there's not one offense that does that is my point. You know what I mean? And that's the key. And so like, yes, I want to win a national championship, but a big part of the decision for coach Freeman is, Let's find a system, a guy that can really do the job incredibly well, and then let's find a guy that can also run a system that fits what we can, what we do have, and what we can get. And and that's the key. And and certain systems aren't going to be effective. They're just they're for championships. A lot of teams that do the air raid, it's kind of a gimmicky thing. They know there's limitations to it. Yeah, they know there's limitations to it, but it's also going to get you to a certain point, just like the triple option. The triple option. Is going to help you win certain things if your talent is to a, a, a level below, but you're also guaranteeing if you go to the triple option that you're not going to recruit, you're not going to have the same talent on your team as you had before. That's happened to Georgia Tech. Stop being able to get big time skill players after a while because they won't. Wire and yeah, right, you, just, you, yeah. you stop losing, you stop getting those guys because they don't want to go play in that offense. And then the new coach comes in and you're behind the eight ball when it comes to you know the talent that you have. So that's kind of. 
That's where I, I look at it. I, I selfishly do want to just see Audrey Gaston Mesa dive back. I do. I want to see. Okay, that. well, then you can just have a wrinkle like you had against Syracuse a couple times. Or I can play NCAA 23 or 24 sure. whenever that comes sure. out. But in real life, <laughs> no. Let's see here. Uh, John A1 has a two-part question. Notre Dame tried to maintain staff continuity last year, and soon after there was a mass uh, mass turnover with Elston, Taylor, McNulty, Lazinski all finding new places of employment. How difficult will it be for Freeman to maintain the direction of the program with another mass coaching overhaul if he hires an OC from the outside? First of all, I don't view one OC as a mass overhaul. Yeah. And and perhaps John is alluding to the fact that, you know, maybe a, a new OC from the outside brings us his own guys, but that will then go back to what we had talked about earlier. John's question came in before we answered that question, right? Sure. But I don't think that they would then – that guy's not going to come in with the opportunity to turn over the offensive staff. It just it's not happening. Yep. And so to me, it, w- it would be, it would be, hey, let's figure out who's going to come in and work with what we have and work at a high level with what we have. That would be the key to me. And you have to figure that part out. You know, yeah. that's so it and, won't and, be mass turnover. Yeah. And it, it's not like Marcus Freeman would be dealing with mass turnover twice either, right? He, he was. He was to be hired as the head coach. Right. Like you're going to bring in some right. new guys. It just kind of is what it is. So I understand the premise of your question, John. I am all for continuity and I'm all for, for consistency and all that great stuff. Right. But uh, to Brian's point, one offensive coordinator is not a mass overhaul. It might be a mass overhaul in, well, I don't even say that. I would say like offensive scheme, it might be a mass overhaul, but not really. Cause you still want a guy that's going to place some basic principles, right. That you kind of believe in. So I, I don't, I don't consider it that way, but I, definitely do think that you want continuity as much as possible because that's i mean some of the best programs have been built off of continuity it's not always that way but you you want that you do you don't want a ton of coaching turnover year to year if you don't have to right but if you're gonna have turnover you want it to be because guys are getting big time promotions because then that makes your jobs a lot more attractive what was the main reason we pointed to tommy reese taking this job it's because look at what the guys before him got you start kind of developing that reputation then all of a sudden you're, you've got more qualified coaches that want to come work for you. And then, yes, there's turnover from year to year. You lose two to three coaches a year, but your your ability to replace them with high-level guys is increased when you have that kind of success. Because turnover is going to happen. Absolutely. You want to make sure it's not mass turnover, right? That's never good. Uh, even if it's just because you just won a national championship and you lost seven coaches, that's not good because it's going to hurt you next year. You know, but uh, you can get back on track, but it's it's not it's not ideal. We got two little super stickers from John Dillon. Thank you very much for those, John. There you go. There's one. There is the other. Appreciate you very, very much. Milton fan uh, 15 as a super chat. Thank you very much. What defensive scheme would get the most talented, productive players on the field at once? There isn't one. This goes back to the question. we were talking. There isn't one system that puts the best players on the field at once. And if there was, everybody would try to run it. You can win in football in a lot of different defensive schemes, a lot of different offensive schemes. There are some I don't think you can win with, right? Like you could try to run a two-five-four if you wanted to. And you can try it. You're not probably not, it's not probably not gonna work, right? It's beautiful. beautiful. Um, but you, you there's a lot of different systems, not all of them can, but a lot of different systems can work. What Georgia does defensively to have success is one thing, and what other teams have done to have success defensively is another. What Georgia does offensively is that's successful is different from what Bama does. That's off. It's different from what Ohio State does. You, you got to find what you believe in. You've got to make sure that that coach sticks to the principles that you believe in. You've got to make sure that they coach it up 
fundamentally at a high level. You got to make sure that they can scheme it, that they can teach it, that they can recruit, as Ryan said, and and that you can recruit to that system at your particular job. Because you can't recruit – you can recruit certain players at USC that you just can't recruit if you're coaching at Purdue or Wisconsin or you, – you know what I mean? Like it's just your different regions, different brands, all that stuff. Just recruit to what you have, and that's going to be the key. Yep. Agree completely. I, I think that, I mean, again, this is our preferences, right? Like, I mean, I can make a great case right now that four two five with all the adjustments you can te- work off of it is the way to go. And then Brian could sit here and tell me, no, no, three, three, five. We, a lot of adjustments right. off of that. Right. And we're not, we're both not wrong necessarily. Right. It's just that it doesn't fit everyone. Right. I mean, there's, and we can both pull examples of how, what we're talking about has worked. Yes. That's the other thing, Ryan. Like you could you can make your case for the defense you like and and but look at team team A, B, C, and D all did this level of success with it. And I could say, well, hey, I want to do this and look at the success that this teams have had with it. And again, neither of us are wrong per se, no. but one of us may be wrong about what works at Notre Dame with the current roster, what you could recruit, those type of things, right? So yeah. if I said, Hey, I want to run a three, three, five, two gap defense. I don't think that works real well at Notre Dame. I don't think not, you can not, recruit not with the, the players you have right now. And yeah, I don't know right. if you can recruit enough. You can recruit a Justin Scott, but can you get me Justin Scott every year? I don't think you can. Remains to be seen. Because yeah. why, why is that true, Ryan? In a, in a 3-3-5, two-gapping defense, you need at least, at least two guys that are just 300-plus pounds that can just dominate. With length. Well, yep. Notre Dame yep. had a grand total of one 300-pound defensive lineman on the entire roster last year, Right. And so and, you're and, just and he was a, and he was a grad transfer from Harvard, right? <laughs> okay, two, two. Oh, I forgot about Chris Smith, yeah. is is yes. yeah. I forgot about Chris because when Chris Smith signed, he wasn't 300 pounds. He got pumped right. up to 300 pounds. And the guy here. The point is, you don't even have a two deep to be able to do that. In yeah. all honesty, you should have at least all three. Of your guys should be over 290 pounds. And and so okay, well that version of three three five may not work as well. But say okay, I, I like the three three five, but I like a penetrating three three five. So okay, well that that may work better here. But if I wanted to do that three three five at Georgia, I'd have a lot more success with it. Yeah, because I can get those three butt kickers, those massive butt kickers up front. Yes. And so that's the thing is you've got to what can you recruit to at that school? And yep. so if I were to have this argument with Ryan, let's say Georgia was running a three three five with just like Jalen Carter, you know, J- J- Jordan Davis. I mean, just the big monsters Devontae they had, Wyatt. and it was yeah. working really well, right? Yeah. I said, well, look, look what Georgia did. They did this, 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 and this. Well, Ryan's rebuttal would be what? Yeah, but you can't recruit. You're not. You don't have those guys in Notre Dame. Where, where, uh, where's your Jalen Carter? Would be my who's first. Who's your response. Jordan Davis? Right. Who's <laughs> yeah, exactly? Exactly. Because you need that guy to be able to run that off, that defense at a, at a championship level. Yeah. And and so that's that's the thing is we have our preferences, things that we like, but what Ryan likes on offense isn't the only way to win a championship. What I like on offense isn't the only way to win a championship. Same on defense. There's lots of different ways to do it. You just have to be good at it. Hire the right staff. Recruit the right players. Teach them, have a good strength program, and make sure you can recruit to it. Well, that, that's really what it boils down to. We're gonna get the last few here, and then we're gonna I'm gonna wrap it up here. We we got to get rolling here. Jim Halloran says, "Do you need to be mindful about how an OC would work uh, with get along with Harry Heastan? Heck, yes, absolutely, <laughs> Jim. No, that I man, that's a very good question, Jim, and absolutely." I mean, you do do. I mean, because like, what what's the proof as far as him coming back? Right? It's because Harry had to be comfortable coaching with with certain people, right? Like he wasn't comfortable coaching with the previous staff, 
And the only reason he came back is because he bought into Marcus and the rest of the people on the staff and Tommy, obviously, and everybody, right? So, yeah, I mean, he's the – sometimes it's hard for change, right? And sometimes it's hard for people's personalities to mesh appropriately, right? right? And Harry Heastan is someone that you need to keep here as long as possible. Yes. So make him happy yes. with your hire because – He's not going to turn away a good coach just because he's being stubborn, right? It's just about the right guy, the right fit. Yeah. Hey, can we stop at the Warner Giro comments because of, of of Sam Hartman? If Sam Hartman loved playing that offense, he'd still be at Wake Forest. Do not bring that stupid mesh to your place. Like, that's the whole thing. Like That's why he left Wake Forest. He was at a Power 5 conference yep. that won 11 games a year ago, right? He wants to get away from the mesh. So I, that's I, yes. I saw someone say Josh Gaddis too. Give me a break. The guy that just got fired at Miami. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hard Give pass. Me a break. <laughs> hard pass. Hard pass. <sighs> so, um, I, I Ryan, I think I think that is going to do it for this show here today. Um, we are uh, we're going to get rolling here. We'll do D line next week. Listen tonight uh, at eight o'clock. I'm going to launch a, a video that Ryan has done already. The first couple weeks we're going to have them recorded. Uh, Ryan, you did. Uh, you want to kind of introduce people to the new show, what we're going to be yeah, doing, man. and just what tonight's topic is going to be about. Yeah, yeah. So rise and uh, rise and NFL draft podcast on the CFB Nation uh, network, and presented obviously by Irish Breakdown. Started the show. I recorded it earlier today. We'll be dropping at eight o'clock, like Brian said. I worked through a bunch of the Senior Bowl risers so far this week over the first couple days. And then also, if you're on the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com, right below me, I also made a post last night asking for a bunch of mailbag questions. So there's two parts to this conversation. One will be Senior Bowl risers. The other will be the question and answer segment. So I hope you guys enjoy it. It was 45 minutes of just me talking by myself. So I hope you enjoy it very much. And then that'll be a regular thing on Thursday nights. And then eventually we're going to make those live. So that's the first show that we're going to introduce here moving forward. We're going to have some more that are going to be coming out. So make sure you stay tuned to those. Uh, tomorrow we'll have a mailbag. We'll do our weekly mailbag on Friday. We're going to start at 1 o'clock. We were going to get started later because there was supposed to be a uh, player interview session tomorrow, which they have moved back, obviously, with the news that's going on. Because what do you think the players have got asked about tomorrow, uh, Ryan? What do you think Sam Hartman would have got asked by every freaking media person tomorrow? Uh, uh, you know, I, what's the deal with Tommy Reese? You're going to leave, <laughs> you're gonna, you know, so smart yes. decision by Notre Dame they, to move they, that back to next week. They would ask Sam Hartman how he's enjoying the cold weather so far. Yes, how, exactly. how you doing with that? Sir? Right, right. Yeah. So how much did you love the mesh? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, hard pass. So anyway, so we will get started on time tomorrow, one o'clock. Make sure you folks hit that like button before we leave, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, Sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. If you're signed up for our, if you're listening via podcast app, please, we would love it if you give us a five-star review. We'd appreciate that very, very much. And of course, check out our message board at, uh, or I said this at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Sign up for our newsletter uh, where you can get all of our free content and that you can find that in all of our stories. You can also find it in the description box below. And remember, all of our content that comes in the newsletter is all of our free content. So, and at irishbreakdown.com, all that content is free. So you definitely want to check that out. And, uh, and, and uh, helps continue to support us at Irish Breakdown. So thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll get back to the position, re, uh, pre, or excuse me, uh, sort of overviews next week. We'll talk about the D-line next week. Uh, we'll probably have a lot to talk about this Saturday. You never know, Ryan. We might have a special recruiting show here coming up over the next few days. Who knows? You never know. We'll have to see. So anyway, thanks for being with us, everybody. 
and uh, and joining us on the Irish Breakdown podcast. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.